welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and I am here today with my friend, Nikki Coutille. Nikki, welcome to the show. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So last episode, I talked about how we spent literally the whole day together. And so I decided today I should just bring you to the show. We won't make a nine hour show, but we could. Oh man. Okay. (laughs) I guess that'll be fine. (laughs) I guess we'll make that work. (laughs) So Nikki, I'm so excited that you're here um, because I think that you've got a really valuable voice um, and I enjoy it obviously in my life and I'm excited to get to share it with others as well. Um, So let's start here. Like what do you do for work? That's a really good question. Um, I am a mental health therapist that works currently with adolescents, um, primarily who are struggling a lot with um, depression, anxiety, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, et cetera. But I do have a specialty in art therapy. So my master's degree is in art therapy and counseling. Wow. So what is art therapy? Yeah, art therapy is a way to process through emotions or stressors in our life through nonverbal means. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that means that we can use art materials, um, no matter what that looks like, or even just exploring with our body through um, those materials to figure out kind of what's going on or to kind of understand where we're at, or it could be even to just express or let out something out of our body because we hold on to a lot of things when we aren't able to kind of come up with the words to describe something, we can feel really trapped in that. And so art therapy allows for that release to happen. Sure. What made you choose art as opposed to any other type of therapy? So I have a bachelor's degree in graphic design. Um, I've always had quite a strong um, pull towards um, fine art specifically, um, drawing, painting, not so much sculpture. That's not really my thing, but um, those types of materials. And I was looking at going back to school to get my master's degree and was like, what am I going to do? And I happened to have a conversation with somebody who was like, oh, I'm going to school to be an art therapist. I was like, what is that? Because Ooh. I had never mm-hmm. heard of this before. Um, oh, wow. So I did, did some research, talked to this person a couple more times. And I was like, yeah, I think this is what I'm meant to do. Like this mm-hmm. pulls in two of my passions is kind of being able to help individuals and with what they're working on. And then also incorporate this art piece that I'm really passionate about as well yeah so also there are other expressive therapies out there right music dance um, there's narrative um, like drama mm-hmm. types of therapies as well that was not my jam but I do feel like they all kind of fit under this umbrella right the art therapy fits in with all of these other kinds of expressive therapies so um those are also modalities that you could pick if you were interested in not just traditional talk therapy. Sure. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anna Ward, who we had a couple of episodes ago, she mainly talked about cystic fibrosis, but her career has been in music therapy. So she mentioned that a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So it's fun to see the different modalities and the different ways to express yourself ultimately, right? Like that's, that's the goal is how to express yourself and figure out what's going on. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yep. I've 
feel like there's definitely space to have those types of experiences, even without necessarily processing verbally what's going on. Yeah. Have you found that like starting with art helps people process verbally, or do you feel like the art is like the processing in and of itself? Well, I feel like sometimes we work on a piece, right? Or we're working on some sort of project and words just then kind of start coming, coming out about like what, Mm -hmm. what the meaning is, what different things are happening in their lives, et cetera, like through some of these things, Mm -hmm. or all they need is the space to have time to make art. Um, And that's the processing part of it. Okay. And we don't need to talk about it. That's interesting. Yeah. What's, you know, what, if that's what they needed, then that's what they ultimately have the space to have. That's awesome. And it's cool that you support them in and through that. So we've been obviously living in a world that's very different than the world that we're used to lately um, with the pandemic and with the um, racial reconciliation that's been happening. And that's been giving us a lot of, a lot of views into a lot of different people. Um, So can you help us understand a little bit better, like how the brain works (laughs) in the midst of all of this? Sure. Uh, I will preface this. I am not a brain uh, expert by any means. I find neuroscience to be fascinating and I have deep dived into it, but I would say I'm no expert (laughs) having a little bit of imposter syndrome right now. Um, (laughs) But I can tell you that our brain operates um, from three different places. Um, One of those being your brain stem, right? And those are the places that have our responses automatically, like breathing, heart rate, um, even like walking can be in that, uh, some of our digestive system, right? Those types of things kind of happen from the brain stem. We don't really think about that. Um, It's also called your reptilian brain. So if you think about evolutionarily wise, like your reptilian brain would develop first. Um, then uh, there's the midsection of our brain that is our mammalian brain. So mammals, right? So similarly to like cats, dogs, deer, uh, rabbits, right? All of those animals have this mammalian brain, which is responsible for your responses to specific events um, that happening that are happening around you. Uh, that also, that's where you might have heard fight, flight, freeze. Um, they've also added fawn recently to that too. Um, so what is fawn? Those, ah, good question. <laughs> um, my understanding of it, it's it's relatively new. So forgive me if I misspeak on this, but fawn is um, a fourth way to respond to a crisis. So freeze, right, is um, you kind of stop in your tracks. You can't move. Your body kind of gets frozen in place. Um, you tend to dissociate, right? You're, you're no longer inside of your body. Your brain kind of takes over. Um, fight is the, um, I need to do some action, right? I'm going to move towards whatever the thing that is stressing me out. Um, and it's not necessarily like punching fighting, right? A lot of mm-hmm. people have this idea in their brain that it's like, I'm going to knock somebody out. And it's really just more like your, your body is actively moving towards whatever it is to solve the problem, right? Whatever that means, right? I'm going to get out of the burning car 
and not necessarily stay in it, right? So right. if so I like a, a move frozen person, mm-hmm. right, a move to action, not necessarily always a fight physical. Mm-hmm. Um, flight then is obviously I'm going to move away from whatever's happening. Um, so I'm going to run in the opposite direction of whatever the stressor is, right? So you can be stuck, you can move towards, you can move away. And then fawn is actually, I'm going to appease in this situation. Mm. There's an understanding that people have this innate need to please whoever is maybe causing this fight, flight, freeze, fawn response um, within them, I guess, would be the best way to kind of summarize. (laughs) So it sounds very Minnesotan of like, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to make this conflict go away. Sure. I feel like it might be more complex than that. I mean, I would hate hate to put Minnesotans into that box, but (laughs) sure, Katie. I throw Minnesotans under the bus all the time. I love you, Minnesotans. I still live here in your state. Nikki is one, so maybe that's mean. (laughs) Maybe I need to be apologizing. No, I was going to say, definitely, though, I mean, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to put Minnesotans in box, but I do feel like we have this need to not have conflict, mm-hmm. which is kind of where fawn comes from, right? Sure. Is this idea that I'm going to just do whatever I can to not have any conflict happen whatsoever. Sure. Um, and that's usually between people, right? Um, when we think about a traumatic experience, I'll bring up the car crash again, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it, hard to not have a conflict like, with mm-hmm in that experience right so fawn is more about when you're just dealing with people sure so so the people who shy away from the hard conversations mm-hmm. and the conflict and the drama yeah that's helpful so, yeah so that's all of your mammalian brain aspect there's also parts of that that are memory okay um that also happened in that middle part of your brain right so if you have um a consistent experience, right? We had this pandemic, right? And like, it's a consistent experience of like needing to stay home. Um, our brains are going to get wired to remember these things, right? So then we have our third part of our brain, which is our logic brain. Uh, it's the part that sits right in the front. So if you think about your forehead, right? It's that prefrontal cortex. That is the space where we're able to make decisions come to some sort of understanding, move through whatever emotion is happening, right? And think about having the experience and then we're able to logically think about it or be able to make those decisions to move through whatever's occurring. Um, So if you think about an adolescent in your life, that part of the brain is not developed as strongly as an adult. So there's Mm. definitely a difference in that formation. Adolescents will always think with their mammalian brain first. So they will always think with feeling first. Um, Whether that's anger, sadness, frustration, overwhelmness. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, Overwhelmedness, but yes. Overwhelmedness, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait, what? Yeah, so they will always think through that first, right? Mm-hmm. Bef- because their connections are not strong yet to their prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex, which okay. is where the logic happens. Sure. 
So same thing happens though with an adult who's been experiencing some sort of trauma. Hmm. So, or has um, a very strong emotional reaction to something is that they might not be able to think logically through a situation or hear what's being processed through, right? So maybe during the pandemic, you found you were quick to be angry or quick to cry when somebody's like, yeah, we don't have milk, right? And you just kind of started to cry, right? And you're like, the other person maybe was like, what? I don't, oh, what's happening, right? But that's because we're having this automatic response to a stressful situation Mm -hmm. that maybe seems like there should be a logical explanation. We'll just go buy more, right? But our instant response is, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with that. So I'm going to have a breakdown. Sure. Because I've had this response. And maybe that's an accumulation of a few things that have happened throughout the day, right? We all have that moment of, um, there's that phrase, right? The straw that broke the camel's back, mm-hmm. right? That fits yeah. in this situation yeah. sometimes. Just but. that that moment that sent you over the edge, that last thing that you just couldn't take mm-hmm. one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or the anticipation of, oh, that meant I had to go outside to go be around people, right? I had to go to the store. Ah! Like, mm-hmm. That sends us into this automatic response of stress, right? Like, right. Ooh, hopefully that. I'll just be out of milk as much anymore. Right. Okay. Um, I say that jokingly, but the day I run out of milk is the day I go to the store. So, (laughs) so how do we handle that after having like a year and a half of this high stress, um, constant changing environment where we have had a lot of emotional responses and here we are, unfortunately still in it, um, without an end in sight, unfortunately. Mm Mm-hmm. In the mental health field, we talk about, and I see this a lot with my adolescent clients because they still live at home, um, but you're still in the stressor or you're still living in the experience. So it's hard to quote unquote work through or um, be able to process what's going on. So it's possible that we may be in this place where we can't process yet what's going on because we haven't returned to work or we haven't had my kid go back to school or we haven't had the experience of seeing family yet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully with, you know, things are progressing, right? And we're mm-hmm. getting to a place where things are, you know, I'm hopeful that things are going to get better. <laughs> yeah, And we're making, as a society, steps forward. Um, I think one of the things we can do specifically for ourselves right now, while we're all still living potentially in this moment is to take time for ourselves, Mm. practicing self-care and having um, specific coping skills is going to help in the long run with the ability to get through I don't mean it's going to be easy, right? It's not going to be easy to get through things, but it may help alleviate some of the symptoms that can come along with these feelings. What are some good self-care practices? (laughs) Good self-care practices are things that you can do for yourself, obviously, (laughs) self-care. Um, yeah, that's how that works. (laughs) It's in the title. Um, (laughs) 
but things that are going to maybe ground you, they're going to relax you, they're going to distract you, um, or they're going to soothe you. Hmm. So those would be the f- like four categories that I would maybe put self-care or coping mm-hmm. skills, right, um, into on a very basic level. Right? So things that ground, things that soothe, things mm-hmm. that relax. And then what was the fourth one? Distract. Things that distract. Ooh, distraction is good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A distraction caveat there is that too much distraction will mean that you're avoiding, right? Sure. And you don't want to avoid what's going on. But if you are struggling with something, right? And you're, you know, it's hard. You're experiencing maybe a lot of uh, self-doubt or frustration or um, stress from whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. Distracting yourself with something, maybe that's cute pictures of puppies or um, funny memes, right? That get you laughing sure. or sure. playing a game with somebody. Sure. Um, playing a video game right for a period of time right yep. too much and you're gonna not come back to and you're just avoiding and bottling up the emotion and because sure. that's not the point of any self-care practice mm-hmm. um because most mental health professionals would say that that's a bad thing we don't want to <laughs> bottle our emotions we need to right. actually acknowledge them and we need to ask ourselves like why are we having this? Sure. And then what can we do about it? Sure. Yeah. So everything in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at Have Hope Will Travel, we've been talking about like having conversations with people who are different than we are having hard conversations and especially like in today's really polarized world. And in light of like what you were explaining of like emotions versus logic and the different responses people have, especially the fawn or like the appeasement idea, how can we use this information as we're having conversations, maybe that we intended to have, or maybe that we didn't intend to have? Yeah, the idea of being in conversation with individuals, either that we want to be in, right, or that maybe we are surprised to find ourselves in are both areas that I think are important to keep in mind that one, um, being okay with yourself, right? Like I would say, don't enter into a tough conversation with somebody if you're not in a place where you've been able to practice some of those self-care things, right? Grounding, relaxation, distraction, or um, soothing, right? So I would say knowing that you're in a good place because otherwise if, we're going to go into a situation and not be able to keep our cool, 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 cool. I don't know if that's a good phrase, but um, that the conversation is probably not going to go well. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. We have to keep our composure in order to help somebody else maintain theirs. Right. Yes. Um, So if you want to have a difficult conversation with somebody, right, maybe it's about race, sex, religion, Mm -hmm. politics, right? A huge one right now anyways mm-hmm. all of those are really big right now what am I saying um <laughs> uh the environment right like any of these right. conversations that we maybe need to have with somebody or um we would like to have with somebody I think those are two very different things too by the way I think the needing to have a conversation with somebody 
is different than a conversation that we maybe would like to have with somebody. Because that would also that would also be another thing to keep in mind is the how appropriate is this at the time? Sure. Um, in the middle of Target shopping for the milk we forget, you know, we right. ran out of, right? Maybe not the best place to be bringing up things, <laughs> but also knowing like, do I need to have this conversation at all? Or is this something that like, I would like to have a conversation with? And I think that sure. depends on the relationship we have with the person, right? I think it's a matter of how well do you know this person? Sure. Do I know how they're going to respond to this? Sure. Is the, is the conflict important enough if we are going to have a conflict, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying avoid the difficult conversations. Right. I think it's just a matter of understanding when to have those difficult yeah. conversations. Yeah. Being wise in them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that if you find that the conversation is getting to a point where the other person is getting escalated, right. Maybe mm-hmm. posturing with body language, having a loud voice, uh, using retaliatory language, right? Like nobody wants to be sworn at. That's not fun, you know, like, um, or using inflammatory language too, um, which could be like racist, sexist, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. language. Uh, it's important to be, and this is going to be hard. I'm not saying that this is easy, but I think it's, a, we have to be okay with saying, I'm uncomfortable right now. I need to take a break from the conversation. That's so good. Which ultimately goes back to self-care, right? If we need to know where our boundaries are in order to be able to have those tough conversations, Mm -hmm. to be able to say, I need to take a break or I, you know, we need to take a break from the conversation. I'm feeling uncomfortable or I'm starting to feel heightened because as soon as we start to feel heightened, we can't be in the conversation anymore. And it sure. becomes an argument instead right. of a conversation. I think that's where having these tough conversations with people is going to be the most effective. Mm. Yeah. One thing that I want to say to people, especially when they're hungover, is like, you need to go take a nap before we can continue <laughs> this conversation. And I always want to be able to say that to adults. And I'm like, why can I say this to a child and not to an adult? I wouldn't say it in those words to a child, but you're essentially saying I can say that. I just have to pick different words. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think we we keep ourselves in situations far too long. Yeah, um, as a people, right? We feel like we have to tough it. We have to like tough it out, and even mm-hmm. like conversations that you have on on the internet. Yeah, you know, like going back and forth, and you have to. We feel this need or drive to have the last word or you know um uh, if they're not understanding my point mm-hmm. I have to c- continue to try to say it again and again and again and then I'm getting angrier and angrier and angrier yeah. and, and then my words are getting more and more icky right mm-hmm. like that's yeah. that's not helpful <laughs> yeah in yeah. that sense yeah. yeah I think that's something that you do really well is acknowledging hey like we're just approaching this from different directions we may see differently, but it's fine. We can pause this conversation. We can come back later. Or we can just agree to disagree. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that, do you have any tips for how to love other people well? Oh, love. I... That, was, that was not a planned question. <laughs> love gives me the warm fuzzies. It's a, it's a good, 
it's a good word. Um, <laughs> at the place that I work, we have um, one of our rules is treat others, the golden rule, right? Treat others the way that you would like to be treated. And I think ultimately, I try to tell them, and uh, we're not, they, they can't think this way yet, just as adolescents, like it's hard to think about other people first. Um, but I do feel like the platinum rule applies a little bit more, which is the treat others the way that they would like to be treated. Mm. And so I feel like we can practice love, no matter which type of love it is, um, parent, child, partners, friends, from the perspective of how does that other person wish to be treated? And ultimately, my understanding of people in general is that that's going to be also a way to earn respect and trust mm. that build up to love. Mm, that's good. What have I not asked you that you're itching to talk about? Oh my gosh, this goes back to the nine hour quest. Like, let's just talk <laughs> forever, Kate. I mean, we could. <laughs> We have a history of doing that. I think one of the things that's important to note about, I'll go back to talking about self-care a little bit and coping skills, because I think one of the things that's missed sometimes is that in the moment of experiencing a situation is not the time to try to do something new. Do not attempt to deep breathe. Um, or whatever type of breathing you're going to do, right? Square breathing, five-finger breathing, all of those breathing techniques, right? That is in the moment is not the time to try to practice those things. Even like walking, using a fidget or a stress ball, right? In the moment is not the time to try to do something new to help yourself calm down because it's not going to work. Hmm. And then we get stuck in the place of, well, nothing works for me right? Like I just, I lose myself and I can't get back and it's impossible, right? So I think taking the time to practice the self-care coping mechanisms prior to having a meltdown, most adults don't have tantrums, but maybe a tantrum. (laughs) A moment Um, when you need the (laughs) self-care. Right. Moments when you're finding yourself getting frustrated or maybe yelling or crying over milk or whatever that might be, right? Um, I think that those are not the time to try to practice something new. Going, oh yeah, maybe I should do this thing, right? You know, unless you have a buddy with you who can maybe talk you through it. But at the time when you're practicing, then you can say whether or not this is a thing that works for you. So like practice it before you need it. And that will, what you've already practiced will show up kind of like game day um, when you actually need it. And you'll notice, oh, this actually works or no, this didn't work. Yeah, because that goes back to our brains, right? And if we don't have strong connections from our mammalian brain to our logic part of our brain, we will not be able, the the strength needs to happen there. Mm. So repetition is what builds our neurotransmitters. Okay. To be able to do that with more success. Sure. So a a practice, but not necessarily a practice makes perfect kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I don't think anybody can be perfect at coping with (laughs) stress. No, I don't think they can either. 
I have a master's degree and it, it still doesn't feel like I <laughs> I went through a season at one point I remember texting you and was like I had to call it a victory that I didn't cry every day this week like mm-hmm. that's sometimes that's just where you are yep and you're like yeah I get that <laughs> which is also important to realize too that this too shall pass mm, that's oh, so good such a good phrase and I think for adults it's a much easier concept to grasp because we are an independent individual Mm -hmm. that this is a moment whatever that moment happens to be or I love Katie use the season right Mm -hmm. like that's um, such an awesome way to think about life in general because nothing is going to stay the same yeah. Obviously, we had a pandemic and nobody was going right. to foresee that happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but we're also no longer in lockdown, right? Like mm-hmm. that was something that passed, right? We're, right? we're moving beyond that. So everything is just like this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. And some seasons mm-hmm. are long. Like we've made fun of the Minnesotans. Winter is a really long season <laughs> here in Minnesota. Really yes. long. Um, and really summer long. is a really short season. But I also think as adults, like we've had more seasons. And so we understand, hey, this will eventually end. Whereas teenagers are like, what do you mean? I've been going to school my whole life. Right. Yes. Or they live in a situation that they can't leave. Yeah. That too, right? Like there's sure. just different things that are a part of their their lives that are different yeah. than an adult. Yeah. And we, I think as adults, we have to kind of remember that sometimes. That's so true. That's true. You're so good with the adolescents, by the way, the stories I hear from you about work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you have a- Try really hard. No, no, you're good at it. You have a, first of all, a patience that I do not have. Um, and second of all, a, just a, a brilliance, like a smartness of knowing, hey, this is not going to help this situation. Let's try something else. Mm. Yeah. I practice one of my coping skills right now. Just keep reading. <laughs> My, my brain. Yeah. Thank you. I, I work hard at making sure that we take care of our young people. Yeah, absolutely. It's important. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that there are people like you who are gifted at it, who are doing it. So Nikki, what do you wish everyone knew? Oh, this is so hard. I, that just because somebody looks okay on the outside does not mean that there's not an internal struggle happening. Oh, that's good. Mental health is a really significant uh, challenge for some. Uh, Mental health is just how we approach a situation, any situation, it doesn't matter. But that's, you know, how how we've been taught to approach a situation is through our mental health. And I think that we learn to be maybe this is a Minnesota way to say this, but like a duck on a pond, right? We we're fine on the top, but our little feet are going furiously under the water trying to get as fast as we can to somewhere. And we don't really know where that is, but you know, we're trying to move as fast as we can. But all you see is the smooth duck going across the surface, Mm, right? Nobody really knows how hard they're working underneath except the duck, right? So as people, somebody could be really struggling Mm -hmm. but until you ask 
Mm -hmm. you might not know. Yeah. That's good. As, as someone who's really good at putting up a front, like I, I appreciate that one a lot. Like I remember a time in seminary where I had had a meeting that was an awful meeting. I was bawling my eyes out and I had Mm -hmm. a whole three minutes to pull it together and lead devotions for the entire student body. Um, and I didn't, I did it. And the student body didn't know, except that the one person who was in the meeting with me and the one person who knew that I was having the meeting and they mm-hmm. were both like, I, I don't, but how did, how did that go? Like that was, I don't know what happened there. And I was like, I'll just pulled it together. Cause I had to, which is not always a great coping skill, but it's also a nice thing to have in my pocket sometimes. Yes. And the person who probably had the conversation with who knew what was a challenge for you should realize that you are able to pull it together, but it doesn't mean that you're not affected by the conversation. That's good. Right? That's another big thing too, right? So because of a lot of us are professionals, right? And we work in an environment, we are able to put on this face, right? I'm able to be a professional. Yeah. Uh, I'm going into work, right? Um, And I have a tough conversation, but I still have to go out and be with people, or I still have to make that phone call, or I still have to do these things. And sometimes I think the person who was in that conflict with us, who can see us change, then thinks, oh, Mm -hmm. there's no problem, Mm -hmm. which is not the case, right? So I think having that understanding of how people function is important. Yeah, for sure. And to recognize like, just because we set something aside doesn't mean that it didn't affect us or that it's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that goes back to that brain piece too, of understanding that the feelings and emotions are still there, even if we're able to think logically about a situation, Mm -hmm. everybody still has feelings about whatever just happened. Yeah. That's so true. Any tips for handling those feelings? Handling which types of feelings? Well, the feelings and emotions that we still have that aren't necessarily in alignment with our logic. Mm. That might be too big of a question. (laughs) Seek professional help. (laughs) Valid answer. No, I think, but I do think it's true. Like if something is really bothering you or really uncomfortable, it's causing something to come up and you can't get rid of it, right? You can't let Mm -hmm. it go. I think that's when having somebody to talk to is super important or make art with in my experience, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. that you need to have some outlet for it. Yeah. Again, it goes back to the avoidance part. We don't want to avoid those feelings. Sure. Um, so being able to let that out. And like for me, I uh, keep an art journal. So I find obviously art really beneficial for me. So I try really hard to um, process through my emotions through art in my own journal space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a place where there's no judgment. It's not seen by anybody. It's solely my mm-hmm. space to flip onto a page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be anything, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, talking to somebody or doing yeah, doing those things is important. Yeah. Um, 
thinking about your art journal, I'm also going to mention back before we could spend all day together when we were still like growing in our friendship, um, you came over and we did art together. Like yeah. we were still figuring out what does this friendship look like? Like what, what is this? Um, and we sat at opposite ends of my kitchen table so we could keep appropriate social distancing at the time. And we just both worked on our separate art projects. And sometimes mm -hmm. there was conversation and sometimes it was quiet and it was just good to be with another person. Mm -hmm. And to be in that safe space and to create in that safe space. Ah, such a good feeling. <laughs> it's such it's, a good feeling. Yeah, that's why I think I, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do is there's not enough permission for silence. Mm. And silence can make people feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so if you can get comfortable with the uncomfortable, mm -hmm. it will also serve your difficult conversations well because you're allowing space for the difficultness to sit. Ooh, that's good. And it gives you a second to process and to not have to respond instantly. Mm -hmm. It's a time to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm and be yeah yeah that's good and I think that's especially important right now as we've all spent so much time in our houses I think that was part of why we ended up spending the whole day together is because we were okay with the silence in between um I mean your daughter was there and so like she would need something <laughs> um and so that would just create a natural like pause in the conversation it wasn't like we jabbered at each other for nine hours straight um that would have been exhausting and instead it was refreshing yeah. I mean, we also ate good food too. So, I mean, that know. helps too. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't start threatening to leave until dinner time. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's there's something, and I don't, uh, I don't remember the source of this, and this was from forever ago. But there's something about every the number eighteen is coming to my mind, and I think it's every eighteen minutes there's a pause in a conversation. Oh wow! And I think if if we are able to recognize that pauses are natural, right? So the going back, the silence, it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's okay to have this break in whatever you're talking about. Yeah. So we do this on some shows, but not all shows. Do you want to pray? I also knew this question was coming too. <laughs> and I, I personally, I, oh man, praying out loud is, hard for me um but I can but I want to right like okay. I, okay. I would like to so um <laughs> if you would like to I would love that if you are not interested in it that's totally fine too it won't be weird if it's not on the show okay <laughs> no I was gonna say I I find I get really emotional when I talk to God and so mm. praying to me is a really emotional experience. And sure. maybe that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother podcast, but I do feel like it can be a really powerful thing. Yeah. So that's why I find it hard. Yeah. Not because I, of the con content, but because sure. of the emotional connection that I have. So I think yeah. that's beautiful, honestly. Like I love getting to... Uh, to experience that intimacy with someone else. That's what it is. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's you and God experiencing intimacy together in a way that that's expressive. Um, and yes. it comes out as emotions. It comes out as tears. It comes out as a choked up voice. 
And it's just a representation of the relationship that you have with him. Yes. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's beautiful. It's not something to be ashamed of. (laughs) Not ashamed. Tears are good. Yes. Tears tears are very good. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this time together with Katie um, and the friendship that we've been able to develop. I believe that you are working through her uh, to have these difficult conversations with people, to be with them, to be present for them, uh, to provide this for other people who maybe just need to listen um, and be in a safe space because they can't deal with other people. I also want to thank you um, for technology. I know that we're able to bring this to other people because of the fact that we have um, a a way to do that. And that is also beautiful. Uh, I wish you to be able to bring your peace and love and grace to all of those people who are struggling right now. Um, The world is hurting. world is hurting. And it's important that your presence is felt. Thank you for bringing that grace and space to this conversation as well. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well done. You did it. (laughs) Nikki, thank you so much for for praying for us, for educating us, for being willing to to share parts of your story and to come on the show and to share your wisdom. Like I feel like I learn from you every (laughs) time we talk. (laughs) And every time we talk, I'm like, ooh, I want to know more. Ooh, I want to know more. So um, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate who you are and um, getting to spend time with you and getting to do life with you. Like it is so fun um, to get to have you in my inner circle. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you, Katie. As always, a big thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed Nikki as much as I do. Can you tell how the two of us can just get together and all of a sudden, boom, a whole day is gone? We kept the conversation short for you today. But there were a couple things that she explained that do better when you've got visuals with them. So we're going to post those on my Instagram this week, at Katie Axelson. You can find him there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. It's how you're going to find new shows. Leave a rating, leave a review. That would all be helpful as well. I hope that you take some time this week to practice self-care in the ways that Nikki described. Maybe something that distracts you, something that relaxes you, something that soothes you, or something that grounds you. You matter, my friend. You matter to me. You matter to God. You matter to the people in your world. Thank you for being who you are. Be blessed. We'll see you again in two weeks as Have Hope Will Travel celebrates our 50th show. Can you believe it? 50. We'll see you then. (laughs) 